Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Phil and Stan, for that beautiful song. The key is Jesus, and that's exactly the truth. All right, Children's Church, head out toward the back, and we've got folks back there who are going to take you and share God's love with you downstairs. Let's pray together as they go. Lord, we thank you that you have provided the key, the way to heaven. And we thank you that you came that we might have everlasting life. And so as we open your word today and look at this passage of scripture that talks about the cross, its implications then and now and forever, we pray that you will impress upon us the truth of your word and that your spirit would apply it to our hearts. And when we leave here, Lord, help us to be committed to taking up our cross and following you. Bless our children and those who are leading them. And use this time now, we pray, to draw each of us closer to you. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's turn to Matthew 16 for a few moments. Matthew 16, we're going to look at verses 21 to 27. We'll be observing the Lord's Supper together at the end of the service. And I might go ahead and say we, we invite all of you who are born-again believers, if you've accepted Christ into your life and followed Him in baptism, we invite you to join with us later when we partake. And this passage actually helps us to see what the Lord's Supper later will illustrate in and of itself. It proclaims the Lord's death until He comes. That's what the Scripture tells us is the purpose of the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus talked about his death with his disciples not long before he went to Jerusalem. And that's what we find here in this passage. And what he says and the way they reacted, uh, we can learn a great deal from it. So follow with me in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21, where it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. From before Jesus went to the cross until today, the cross is at the very heart of of God's plan. 
and God's challenge to all who follow Jesus. And we find this direct challenge from Jesus to all who would follow him right in the center of this passage of Scripture. The beginning pass of the verse, verse 21, we see the challenge to understand the cross. And this was a challenge for the disciples. Because even though Jesus had talked about the fact he was going to uh, go to Jerusalem and he would die and rise the third day, he had said that on multiple occasions in various ways. The disciples were all caught up in the power of Jesus, the glory of what he was doing, the crowds that followed him, the miracles that he carried out, and they were just sure he was going to bring in an earthly kingdom and free the people from the tyranny of the Romans. And, quite frankly, they thought they were going to be right there with him, right there in the palace as he ruled and reigned on the earth. I think that's what was in their mind. And so their plan for Jesus, their agenda that God was going to carry out did not match up, though, with the plan of God. And many times in our lives, the disappointment that we feel, the discouragement that we feel is because we are so focused on our desires and our agenda and our plan, what makes sense to us. That when it doesn't happen the way we desire, we think something's all messed up, all screwed up. When really it's just the plan of God being carried out. God does not work on our timetable. Neither does he adopt our plan or our agenda. And that is seen so clearly here. Jesus tells them the truth here in verse 21. And notice two words here. One of them is the word must. And then the word and is repeated here multiple times. From that time, Jesus began to show himself, uh, began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. There is the necessity of the cross. He had to go to Jerusalem. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus had to come from heaven to earth to be our Savior, that he had no alternative, no option. He didn't have to come. The just did not have to come and die for the unjust. He could have left us in our sins. We would have deserved that. And God would not have been any less holy and right and good if he had chosen to do that because we are sinners, every single one of us. The must is that God's love compelled him to come. He loves us so much that he could not leave us in our sin. He's so good, he's so right, and his love is so great. And so he came in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came for us. The necessity of the cross is that Jesus had to come if, if we were going to be saved, there was no other way. And he knew that. And yet his love was so amazing that he came for us. The necessity of the cross, he came. He must go to Jerusalem. He set his face, the scripture says, toward Jerusalem. He was, he was driven to do it by his love for you and me. 
and he was willing to give himself for us. On another occasion, he said to Nicodemus, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This was a necessity for us to be saved. We can't save ourselves. We can never make ourselves good enough for God. No amount of ritual, no amount of good work can ever wipe away even a single sin. And we have a lot more. If we're honest, we have a whole lot more than one sin in our life, don't we? But all of our trying, all of our striving, all of our doing could not even erase one sin because we're sinners. We're not holy. God is. And Jesus, being both sinless and divine, God who became a man, he had the power and he had the holiness within him, the perfection to be the sinless, spotless sacrifice for the sin of the world. So it was a necessity for our salvation that he go to the cross, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem. They knew Jerusalem was a dangerous place for, for Jesus because the, the religious leaders of Israel hated him. They knew that. And so he's saying, I'm going anyway. I must go. And then we have a series of ands. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes. Those were the religious leaders of Israel who were threatened by Jesus. Their whole way of life was threatened by what Jesus was saying. Because they wanted the people to think they had to come through them to get to God. And Jesus was saying, God has come to you in the person of Jesus. I'm here. And you can have a direct relationship with me. No go-between. He was going to fulfill everything that the Old Testament priestly regulations and all the things of the temple he was going to fulfill that in his own person. And the veil of the temple would be torn in two from top to bottom, meaning that we now have direct access to God. We don't need to go through anybody else. God came in the person of Jesus Christ to make that possible. And so they hated Jesus. They wanted to stop him. And they, he was going to suffer many things. There's the misery of the cross. Jesus was going to suffer physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It was a spiritual battle he was fighting. All the people on the stage, it just appeared to be nothing but human beings there. But this was a great spiritual war being fought. And Jesus was going to come out the victor. And yet it was going to be very hard for him. And so the suffering of the cross, we can't even begin to fathom what it was like for Jesus. Not just the physical torture of it, but even beyond that, what was happening inside. The sinless one became sin for us. The turning away of the Father from him as he became sin on the cross. All of that is so beyond our ability to completely comprehend but it's all caught up in the misery, the suffering 
of the cross. And never forget that that suffering that he endured, he did it for you and me. So don't ever doubt the love of Jesus. No matter what happens to you in this life, at a given moment in time, never let your, your faith and trust in the love that Jesus has for you, never let it be shaken. Remember what he suffered for you. Because there's nothing we'll suffer in this life that begins to compare to what he suffered for us. So his love is sure. It is so great. It is beyond amazing. And then, and be killed. Not just and suffer many things, and be killed. The word killed is a word that was used for a violent, brutal death. Jesus is telling them this is coming. I know it's coming. I'm ready to face it. And so he was fully aware of what was going to happen when he got to Jerusalem. He didn't just happen to go to Jerusalem and then all of these things just took place and he just kind of fell into this terrible experience of the cross. He knew it. He knew it was coming. And he walked into it ready to be the great payment for the sin of every person. And then the final and, and be raised from the dead, essentially. And be raised the third day. He was going to rise from the dead. And so he told them ahead of time all of this was going to happen. And so after Jesus died on the cross and the disciples were in their gloom and in their despair, they had completely forgotten all of this, hadn't they? They'd forgotten that he said he was going to rise on the third day. You know, we can know things, and then the pain and the tragedy and the suffering of the moment can cause us to forget things we really know. Or it can be so overwhelming it causes us to put aside what we know to be true. Jesus, you see, has not changed just because our circumstances change. And so when... They went through that horrible experience of seeing Jesus die on the cross and they thought the world had come to an end. The fact that they forgot what Jesus said didn't change the plan of God. It went forward anyway. And Jesus rose from the dead. And so in our lives when we face hard experiences and the emotion overwhelms us of the moment, God hasn't gone anywhere. God hasn't changed. His plan has not changed. He is as sure as he was before you walked into that dark place. And he will be the same when you walk out of it. And he'll be with you through every experience of life. He would be raised from the dead the third day. And so that's the victory of the cross. We must understand the cross Jesus went to the cross because it was the only way we could be saved. And he was willing to do it because of his love for us. The suffering of the cross. The brutality of the cross. And the victory of the cross. When you give your life to Jesus, you are receiving this great work that Jesus accomplished for you. On the cross. And when we observe the Lord's Supper, as we take the bread, we remember that He gave His body. 
and he suffered in our place. He poured out his blood. When we take the cup, we remember that blood that he poured out for us that covers our sin and washes us and makes us whiter than snow. All leading to the great victory that he won in his death and the resurrection. But in this passage, we also see the challenge to accept God's plan. He laid it out. Jesus laid out what was going to happen. And notice the reaction. Good old Peter, just like us, right? Then Peter took him aside. Now think about this. This is the Lord. This is, this is Jesus. God who came from heaven and took on human flesh. The, the Lord is taken aside by the student, by Peter. Peter took him aside and began to do what? Rebuke him, saying, Far be it for, from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. It was more than Peter could take, hearing about such an end, such suffering for his master. All the disciples knew the Old Testament prophecies about a lamb being slain, but they could not accept that it was going to happen in their midst and it would be Jesus. Rather, they were looking for this earthly kingdom that we talked about earlier. And so Peter takes Jesus aside and he tells him, Not so, Lord. No, this is not going to happen. This can't happen. Now think about the contradiction here. Peter calls him Lord and then rebukes him. Peter calls Jesus Lord and then tells him no. Do we ever do that? Do we ever call Jesus Lord and then instruct him as to what he needs to do? What he has to do if we're going to remain his servant? Do we ever tell Jesus that now, Lord, if you want me to continue to be your follower, you're going to have to come through for me now. You're going to have to do what I want you to do. Or my faith is not going to remain in you. We may not say it in so many words. But we feel it sometimes, perhaps. We think it, and sometimes we say it. You don't rebuke the Lord. If he's Lord in your life, you don't rebuke him. You follow him. You listen to him. You trust him. Implicitly. Without reservation. Because he is the Lord. But it's, it's hard for us sometimes to accept God's plan when it doesn't line up with what we thought it would be. But God hasn't changed. We have to be willing to submit ourselves to him. And therein is why Jesus then responded to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Now, he didn't mean that Peter literally had become Satan. But what Peter was saying lined up with what Satan would say to him, tempting him, trying to keep him from doing what God had planned, what had to happen for us to be saved. And sometimes we may not even realize it, but we begin to adopt the thinking and the, the philosophy and the agenda that is more in line with what Satan wants than what God wants. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? 
It's not that Peter intended to be in that spot. But he was so filled with fear and the emotion of the moment that instead of submitting to the Lord, he thought he knew better. Whenever we think we know better than God, we're in a very, very dangerous place. And so he said to Peter, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. There it is. But the things of men. You're thinking like someone who doesn't know God. You see, when you know Jesus Christ as Lord, you will see things from his perspective. And you can trust him. And then that's why Jesus says this great statement, challenge in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Isn't that what Jesus was doing? Jesus was denying himself. He was not putting his personal comfort ahead of everything else. No, he was putting us first. He was putting the plan of God first from before the foundation of the world. That's what we need to do in our lives. If anyone wants to come after Jesus, let him deny himself. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not about what makes us comfortable. It's about what God wants, what God is doing, what his plan and purpose is. That's what our lives should be about. Let us deny ourselves and take up his cross. Jesus was about to take up the cross, literally. The cross, the plan that God had for him was to go to the cross to be the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Only he could accomplish that. But he had to be willing to take it up, and he was. When you give your life to Jesus, you have a cross to carry. It doesn't mean you're going to go to a cross exactly the way Jesus did, but God has a plan for your life that will require your devotion and your sacrifice and your willingness to say, I must go to Jerusalem. I have to do what God wants me to do. I have to be willing to take that up. And over in Luke 9, 23, it says daily. Let him take up the cross daily and follow me. It is a moment by moment, day by day, walk with God. And he wants your life to be as devoted to Jesus as Jesus was devoted to God's plan for you. That's what he's calling us to. Now, none of us is going to perfectly carry that out because we're still in a sinful world. We're still not perfect. We're perfect before God, but not in the flesh, not in this world. But that should be the great desire of your life and mine, that we deny ourselves and take up the cross the purpose of God for us, and follow me. We are to follow Jesus. The challenge to embrace the cross is there every day. I hope you will consciously think of that day by day. You're embracing the cross. You're committed to God's plan just as Jesus was committed to the plan of God for you. Galatians 2.20, Paul expressed it when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucified with Christ. And the life we're now living in the flesh, we're living it by faith. We're taking up our cross daily, our obedience, our commitment, our devotion to follow Jesus and to carry out his will as long as he leaves us here. And Jesus says, you're not going to lose in this because when you are willing to give up your life and embrace the cross, embrace Jesus, you'll find what life is really all about. And isn't that so true? But as long as you hang on to control for yourself, you'll find that you really don't know what life is. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? There's nothing worth saying no to Jesus. And then as a Christian, he wants to use our lives to be a shining light so that others will embrace Jesus in their own life. And someday he's going to come. Bring this world to an end. And then all that we have done in service to him, every single thing will be worth it to bring honor and glory to this name of Jesus. As one person said, Christian, you belong to God twice. By virtue of creation, he made you. And by virtue of redemption, he bought you. So follow Jesus. Live for Jesus. Because he loves you. Would you, would you pray with me? Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be obedient to you. Thank you for how you spoke so clearly here. And Lord, help us to see something of ourselves in these disciples, in Peter. And help us, Lord, as they learned, as they learned and carried out in their lives, help us to learn. And from this day forward, help us, Lord, to not try to instruct you or rebuke you, but rather just submit to your will Embrace the cross that you have for us, the purpose, the will that you have for our lives. Help us to be willing to follow you in every way and to be obedient to you. And we'll give you the praise, Lord, for what you do in us and through us. If there are decisions now that need to be made, Lord, you lead us. And may your will be done in these moments. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.